last time we were together virtually working through uh, Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament, we were asking one of the premier questions in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. We were asking the question, how do I begin to discover God's will for my life? That's a big question. Now, good news, we resolved the whole thing. And so today we're moving on to another pretty monumental question. We obviously didn't resolve the whole thing, but if you want to have some sense of where we went in that conversation, I would encourage you to, to go to our website or to um, Facebook or our YouTube page uh, to catch up that way. But that's one of the questions we started to wrestle through. And today we want to ask a second um, pretty monumental question. And uh, that question is, how do I begin to discover God's calling for my life? Now, some of you are too young to feel the weight of that question, even though we start asking this question in some form or another to kids from a very young age, and it might sound something like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know, an astronaut in a Skittles factory, I'm not sure, right? By the time you get to high school, that question dials up a little bit. What are you planning to do after graduation? And then what are you going to do with that? I'm not sure. By the time you get to college or the college age, the question ramps up a little bit more. Hey, what do you plan to major in? And what career path do you plan to follow with that particular major? And then after that, it becomes, hey, what do you do for a living? Um, and and uh, man, is this the thing you want to retire doing? Is this your dream job? Does it feel like you're living out of calling or are you just kind of making your way to the thing that you really want to do? I don't know. I'm just trying to pay some bills. But it is a significant question to ask ourselves. How am I designed to impact the world most meaningfully, because I can spend my time and my energies doing a whole bunch of stuff, but at the end of the day, I want to know that I am doing the thing that I was designed to do and having the greatest impact on the world. Hence the question, how do I begin to discover God's calling in my life? What I've been called to do. If you have a copy of the Bible, uh, we are going to be in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to start reading at verse 3. And if you happen to be interested in that question at all, then, man, you might be curious to know what the Apostle Paul has to say. If you are not particularly curious about that question, um, you should be, because the people in your world are going to be incredibly curious about this question, if for no other reason. All right, we're going to work our way through um, a number of verses, and we're going to pause, and we're going to make some observations, and I trust make some meaningful applications in attempting to answer this question. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Here's what Paul says. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, okay, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> We're not going to make that many stops, but we will make a few. Um, in, in this whole conversation about calling, this phrase is actually incredibly 
reassuring to us. Paul is saying, hey, church, our permission to speak freely. Psych, just kidding. I actually don't need your permission to say what I'm about to say. I done already been permissed. I have all the permission I need to say everything I need to say to you all. Heaven has given me all the permission I need to freely say everything that I need to say to you all. That is so good. Paul does not ask the church for the church's permission to say what he has to say. Paul doesn't ask the church if the church wants to hear what he has to say because apparently it doesn't matter that much. Um, the point is not if they want to hear it. The point is that Paul has to say it. Paul is compelled to say something to the church and he is going to say it anyway, which is an incredibly significant thing in the conversation we are having because it means Paul has gotten to a point in his life where he knows what he is called to do and he doesn't require anybody to second him on that thing. By the grace given me, he says, I've got to tell you something. And I'm just saying, I want that. And so do you. You want to get to the place in your life where you have that level of confidence in a calling like Paul has in this verse. Um, when Paul uses the word grace here, um, this word would be better translated in our context, um, gifting. By the gifting given me. Um, it's the idea of an ability with an assignment. Paul is saying, I've been given an ability and that ability has come with an assignment. And according to the ability and assignment I've been given, I've got to tell you all what I've got to tell you all. I have such confidence in the calling that I have. Doesn't matter so much if you want to hear it because heaven has assigned me to say it. Now, this may be the first time you are hearing this, or, or maybe during the pandemic you've forgotten this, so let me remind you or maybe introduce you to this thought for the very first time. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have one of these. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have one of these. You have one of these graces. You have one of these giftings. You have one of these abilities with an assignment to interact with the world on heaven's behalf. I don't know if you knew that. It's not just Paul. It's not just the special churchy people. It's everyone who has said yes, please, to the person of Jesus Christ. You have an assignment. You have an ability that you've been called to use in this world. Now, let me just tell you, like Paul, when you discover what that thing is, what that ability is, 
all of a sudden it stops mattering to you whether or not people approve of you. It stops mattering whether or not people appreciate you. It stops mattering so much whether or not people affirm you. It stops mattering whether people agree with you, whatever other A you want to pick. When you start to understand what you've been assigned to do, all of a sudden you no longer need people to tell you it's all right. By the grace given me, I know it's all right. You don't need to tell me that. I've been assigned, so I'm going to do that thing in the world on heaven's behalf. That's Paul's confidence in his calling, and I believe it can be ours. By the grace of God given me, I'm going to raise these children and I don't need them to particularly appreciate me today. And, and I do not feel particularly appreciated by them today or yesterday, frankly, or the day before that. But I understand that I've been assigned to do this thing. And so excuse me while I do the thing that I've been assigned to do. I'm not waiting for the bottom line to impress the market. By the grace given me, I know that I'm called to launch these humanitarian initiatives. That's confidence in a calling. I don't need the church attendance to reach whatever people think is pretty epic to know that heaven has assigned me and given me the ability to serve its people. Confidence in a calling. I don't need the laws to catch up with me. I'm telling you, I am going to wage a vicious war on human trafficking. Whatever else happens will happen because I understand my assignment and the ability given me. By the grace of God given me, I'm going to do what I'm going to do now. And I don't particularly need everybody to applaud me in order to do it. Confidence in a calling, which leads back to the question of the day, how? How do you begin to discover that calling for your life? Um, Paul gives us um, some strong suggestions. Suggestion number one, um, get over yourself. Isn't it so good to be together? Just to be hanging out, all the feelings. Um, to get to my calling, I'm going to have to climb a little bit and get over myself. Now, Paul says it a little more nicely than that, but not much. Verse three, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Get over yourself a little bit, but rather, Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Get over yourself. Did you see that? I don't think I'm making this up. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Listen, you matter more than you will ever know. Also, you are not as important as you often think you are. And by the grace given Paul, he's happy to remind us. 
um, in, um, let's do a quick test. In the story of life, or, or more, more to the point, when you sit down and you think about the events um, of your day, I'm just curious, what role do you tend to give yourself in that story? Don't worry, I got you. I'll give you a few options. Option number one. In the story of life and in the story of your day, you give yourself the role of um, an extra. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm in the background. Don't worry about me. It's, it's really not about me. It's, 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 it's really about everybody else. How they feel, what their day was like. It's really about them. Focus on them. Um, B, uh, you, you view yourself as a supporting cast member. Well, I'm in a lot of scenes. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but usually my role is, is to try and help other people to, to get their shine on. My, my role is usually to help other people to make sure that they're experiencing life and that, that they're thriving and that they're having an incredible day. My, my job is to really set other people up for their success. And I'm just, just in my mind, just, I, just torturing myself because if I look back on my day, I realize, man, I could have really helped those people a little more. I really could have set those people up for a little more. Come on. Option three, most of us, when we replay the day in our minds, we cast ourselves as the star. I was in the middle of this whole story. I have a trailer and everything. And everything kind of revolves around me. Um... This show is about me and how I feel and how I look and how everything impacted me. You know that someone disagreed with me today? Disagreed with me. Someone cut me off in traffic. Do they not know who I am? Why is everybody being so loud? I'm just trying to think and everybody's being so loud and all of these kids with a little happy childhood memories are interrupting my thoughts. Because really when I replay the day, I am in the center of the story. Things kind of revolve around me. You heard that, you heard that there was a blast in Beirut a few days ago. You know, speaking of, do you know what sounds like a blast to me? And everything somehow comes back to us in the center of the story. When the story of life plays in our minds, we naturally put ourselves in the center. We naturally think about how did I look? How did I feel in the midst of all of that? How did things impact me? Do you know how this pandemic is impacting me? And Paul says, uh, if you are going to get at God's calling on your life, you will have to get over yourself a little bit. You are not the star in the story. Stop acting like you are more important than you really are 
in the grand scheme. Um, Paul builds on that very point by adding another suggestion. Um, it'll get nicer here in a second, maybe. If you're going to discover God's calling, his assignment, Paul would also say you have to be willing to, to take what you get. There has to be a willingness in you to take what you get. Um, Here's the thing. If you are convinced you are the star in the story, guess what? You are only going to feel deserving of certain starring roles. If you think you are the most important person in the story, you are going to find yourself only looking for the most important roles in the story. Co-star, do I look like a co-star? Easy, Tom Cruise. And yeah, you kind of do these days, to be honest. Paul says you will need to get over yourself so that you can embrace whatever assignment you happen to get regardless of what it is. Look again at the second part of Romans 12, verse three. It says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Um, my son, I would say my firstborn, but I only have one son, four daughters, and a wife. Let's pray. Um, no, my son recently got his uh, driver's license, which was awesome. The problem was, on one occasion, I had to take him to the BMV. And I'm just going to tell you, that is not the happiest place on earth for me personally. <laughs> you know this place, you, you walk in, you take a ticket, the ticket has a number on it, and then you make your way to this kind of lobby waiting area, and you sit there with all the commoners, and you wait for your number to be called. This is not my thing. Um, I don't particularly um, appreciate that very, very much. The problem, too, is the BMV doesn't care about me. I learned that very quickly. They don't care why I'm there. Uh, they don't care, like, like, how much time I might have on my lunch break to get what I need to get done. They don't care how excited uh, I happen to be. They don't care if I have a, just a really quick question. I just have a really quick question. It's like, I don't care. You take a number, and you sit, and you wait for your number to be called with everyone else. And um, I don't like it. I don't feel like I should be waiting in there. Because usually the thing I have to do is, is really quick and it, it could just be taken care of um, much more quickly than everybody else's drama 
who's sitting in here. And I just know if I could explain my unique situation that they would say, oh, we see your unique situation and they would give me a lower number and I would move up and I'd get taken care of and I'll be out of there. But apparently the BMV doesn't care. I just wanted to say that, put it on record really quickly. Paul would say, it's kind of like that. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God decided what ticket number <laughs> you get. God decided what ability you get. And he distributed the assignments as he saw fit. And you take what you get. No, you don't understand. If I could negotiate with heaven and God could see it from my vantage point, he would understand I'm a star. Don't belong in here with all of these commoners. But that's what Paul is saying. You take what you get. You don't get to choose the number on your ticket. You don't get to choose when it's called. No one particularly asked me how I felt about it. It says God distributed this faith to each one of us. The idea of thinking of yourself with sober judgment is the idea of embracing the truth that I'm not more special than anybody else. I sit in this grand lobby just like everybody else. In the grand scheme, I am just one of the commoners. There is nothing unique or special about me. That's what Paul means when he uses this word. Therefore, my posture is going to be, God, you made the determination. I will take whatever you give me. I will take whatever I happen to get. Um, if you're gonna discover God's calling, you need to get over yourself and be willing to take what you get, no matter what it is. Now, the more I thought about this, and the more I let it kind of sting a little bit, the more it made all the sense in the world to me, and I trust it will make some sense to you as well. Um, if I think I'm more important than I really am, I'll believe I only deserve to do the most important things. If I believe I am the star in the story, then I'll believe I only deserve starring roles. So when God whispers to me what he has designed me for, I will trample it underfoot, if not miss it completely, because it will sound a little bit too ordinary for someone as extraordinary as me. And I wonder why I'm asking, what are, what are you calling me to, God? Well, you thought you're too special. 
And so when I said shepherd, you said shepherd. Do I look like a shepherd? I've been called to be a king. Take care of sheep, no sir. I'm a star. I've been called to look Pharaoh in the eyes and command him to let God's people go. I'm a liberator of the people. Don't tell me to take care of sheep. Servant, do I look like a servant to you? I believe I am a savior. And it made all the sense in the world. Of course, I'm going to miss what God might be whispering if I believe that I am at some elite level and God is speaking to me about things that just seem a little bit too ordinary for me. This made all the sense in the world. And then when I pray to God to reveal what he has for me, what I'm asking him is not for what most impacts the world. I'll be asking him for what most impresses it. And God will be like, mm, you're not ready. Some of us have stared our calling, our assignments in the face for years, and we've just missed it because we thought a little too highly of ourselves. I'm not starting there. Because we had more flashy dreams than this number for the commoners. The commoners? Me? I've had a dream since I was a little kid. Don't tell me my assignment is anything other than that. If I don't get over myself, I will step over my gift. If I'm not willing to take what I get, I will miss what I've been given. And I'll keep chasing this career dream, and I keep chasing, chasing this promotion, and I keep chasing this new five-year goal, and I'll meet with all the consultants, and I'll try and figure the whole thing out. As I try and pursue whatever I believe I'm deserving of. Paul drives that idea home in the next few verses. Verse four, he says, four, just as, as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's beautiful. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. Not according to your dream. According to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, if that's your assignment, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. <laughs> carry out that assignment. If it is serving, carry out that assignment. Then serve. Serving? Do I look like a... If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. Come on, carry out your assignment no matter what it, and until you get over yourself and say, I'll take what I get, you will miss what you have. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do that cheerfully. Wow. 
I love that phrase, by the way, if it is, if it is, that is such a powerful response to what Paul is saying. If it is, God, whatever it is, if it is this, I'll take it. If it's that, I'll take it. If it's this, I'll take it. If it is, if it is, if it's a stay at home, dad, I'm a stay at home by the grace given me and I'm a rock this house. If it is. If it's coming off the bench, I'll come off the bench. If it is, I'll take what I get. If it's administrative, I'm going to carry out this administrative responsibility, even though I feel like I should be a CEO. I'll take it. I'll take it. If it's teaching, I'll teach. I don't even like talking to people. But if it is, if it's encouraging, then I'm going to send those notes, even if no one ever knows about it. God is waiting for some of us to tell him whatever it is, it's not about me. I'm happy to take what I get and play whatever part you give me whenever you call my number. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Now you're ready. And then there's one last principle. If you are going to discover God's calling for your life, um, you, you're going to have to give it a shot. You're going to have to, to give it a shot. Um, I know it doesn't sound super helpful. <laughs> um, Paul says, if it is, don't just say, I'll take it. He'll say, no, actually, then do it. Do something. Um, what if I don't know what it is? I thought this is the whole thing we're talking about, Kondo. Great question. If you don't know what it is, Paul would say, then give whatever a shot. Just give it a shot. <laughs> uh, for a long time, I, I honestly thought the spiritual thing to do was to wait around until I knew with Paul-like confidence what my calling was. Then I would do something. But before that, I'm sorry, man. I mean, I would help out, but I don't have clarity on my calling. So <laughs> I'm just going to be, you know, one of the 80% who watches the 20% work. Um, I'm just going to be one of the many who watches the few do it. Um, it's what God would want. No, it's actually not what God would want. Verse 4 says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is powerful. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a part of a body, and this body is called the church. And part of belonging to the church means it is your job to build up and to benefit the church. I don't know if you knew that. 
That's actually really good news, which means if you don't know what your unique gifting is, start by asking the question, what can I do to benefit or build up the church and then take a shot at it? What can I do to help the body become a little bit better and then take a shot at it? And if you don't know what that is, ask the people in your small group, what can I do to benefit and help you all out? And if they don't know, you can come and ask us as a church staff. We'll tell you. Yeah, you know what? You could do this to help. And when we tell you, A, you're going to have to get over yourself a little bit. And B, I trust you'll be willing to take what you get and then take a shot at it. This is so beautiful. This is going to help somebody. I know it is. (laughs) and then take a shot at whatever that thing is. And here's the way it works. If you take a shot at it and then you shoot the body in the foot, we will collectively say, ouch, don't ever do that again. Administrative stuff is not your jam. Try, take a shot at something else. And then you try something else and we'll be like, oh, mm -mm. do not ever speak in front of people ever. Don't ever sing again. And then you take a shot at something else. And guess what's happening? As you take a shot at things, the community called the church is going to start to point you in the direction towards your assignment. And the body will say, ooh, but when you do that, though, do that again. Do that again. The way I discovered what I feel called to do was by serving in the church. And people were like, "Mm -mm. no, try something else. Try something else until people started to say, when you do this, we feel something of the benefit it brings. Do that again. Do that again. And I would say to you, if you've never served, if you've never entered in, if you've never given it a shot, you can't walk around talking about, I want to discover what God has for me, which is, by the way, why I tell every college student, before you worry about your major, worry about your gifting. It's why I tell everybody, before you worry about your career path, worry about how you serve in the church. If you discover how you benefit the church, you will start to discover what you're called to do, regardless of if your career ends up matching that or doesn't end up matching that. Your greatest impact will come in understanding what part you play in the body of Christ, which is his representation in the world. Take a shot, but you're going to have to get over yourself and try a number of different things. You're going to have to be willing to take what you get. And you're going to have to be willing to give it a shot. Again, speaking to some of you who've maybe never entered in and never served. I believe God wants us to have a confidence in what he's called us to because he wants us to serve in those capacities. Is the humility there? Is the availability there? And is the willingness there to actually do something about it? Jesus, we thank you for your incredible sacrifice. We thank you that you were willing to accept your assignment. That you were willing to serve 
your people with your very life. You were willing to do whatever your father called you to do. Thank you that in fulfilling your calling, we are now saved and called to represent you in our world. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your freedom. We celebrate it and we declare that you have won over sin and over the grave and over death and over the devil now and forevermore. And all God's people said, amen, amen.